and welcome back to the Faith Seeking Understanding Podcast. I'm Roland, this is Matt, and this is our last episode in the Book of Proverbs. Hey, hey. we finally made it. We did it. <laughs> um, so we've been looking through the sort of body of Proverbs over the last few episodes. We've looked at um, how to re reimagine our ethics, our system of ethics, in order to make it easier for us to read Proverbs. We've taken a look at how Proverbs themselves work, um, you know, as these units that are kind of ambiguous, but then can be grouped together to like draw out particular strands or nuances of the um, thing. We we looked the word up. It's in the name of our previous episode called Polysemy. Polysemy, yeah. Um, so if you're a word nerd, then uh, what you're welcome, I guess. Um, <laughs> this one's for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, in this episode, this closing episode, we're going to look at an interesting feature of the later Proverbs, namely that... Uh, well, not only, they're not from... We've already kind of discussed how not all the Proverbs are from Solomon. So we, mm. we get that, that's fine. Yeah. But now we're looking at the... Well, not only are they not from Solomon, but they have strong connections, it seems, or implied connections to um, sources outside of Israel. Mm. And so, like, what are the implications of that and so on? Some of them, not just implied, which uh, we'll get into in just a second. But yeah, this, this last stretch of Proverbs, not completely consistently, but this last stretch of Proverbs... Um, yeah, introduces wisdom from outside, which is weird. Yeah, especially given the emphasis in the beginning of the foreign woman, right? And said, yeah. like, avoid the foreign woman. So, yeah. like, okay, we're supposed to avoid the foreign woman, but now you're quoting foreign sources on wisdom. Like, what yeah. do you want from me, bro? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's uh, maybe so maybe take us through some of the examples of how this works. Yeah. Like, where do we see it? Where, where I think uh, we could start is um, actually just by, like, foregrounding the issue just what yeah. it is that we're looking okay. at okay yeah if we flip over to proverbs 30 proverbs 30 we've got the sayings of agar or the sayings of agur or however you want to say it um there isn't a hang of a lot that we know about this guy okay um and frankly there's some issues here with are we supposed to take son of jacquet as a name or is this supposed to be some other word we don't really know um but it goes on, it goes into the section where um, I am weary, God, but I can prevail. Surely I'm only a brute, not a man. I do not have human understanding, nor have I learned wisdom, uh, nor have I attained uh, knowledge of the Holy One. Um, in these verses that sound a lot like Job, who has gone up to heaven and come down, uh, whose hands have uh, gathered up the wind and so on. And then verse five, every word of God is flawless. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. Um, and then goes into some of the more um, uh, ethical instruction that um, a little bit like what we've seen, what we've seen elsewhere. But really, it's that first bit that that um, I want us to just notice. Um, this ego guy. While we don't know anything a lot about him, he was probably a foreigner. He probably wasn't an Israelite. Um, and so, do we get that from the name? From his name, yeah. And then also the fact that he says, "I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One." Well, I, th I think that probably plays into it. So, okay. what do we do with the fact that a foreigner has now is now being given airtime in the Book of Proverbs? Yeah. He's, like <laughs> he's got a foreign name. What do we do with that? Mm -hmm. um, I think the fact that he he admits right up front, listen, I'm not that great. 
<laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe that's part of it. Like from the from the Israelite perspective, um, that you know that Proverbs is coming from. There, there is probably a sense of, um, I mean, we're the chosen people of God. Mm. Um, God has spoken to us. Uh, we have the very oracles of God in in the law and the prophets. Um, there's something significant about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw in the in the first section of Proverbs that that wisdom and um, and Torah, wisdom and the Word of God actually go very close together. That wisdom in the first part of Proverbs is defined in terms of Torah and Torah obedience and um, and obedience to God. So there, there probably is something going on there um, that this guy's coming from outside. So there's this upfront recognition that, well, listen, out of his own mouth, <laughs> temper your expectations. Um, it's kind of like that, I forget his name, but the young boy in Job at the end. Yeah, yeah. He's like, listen, I'm not some wise oak here. I don't know what I'm talking about, but here's, yeah. here's what I say. It's kind of a bit of an upstart though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I waited for you old people to have your say. And like, I waited in line because that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm the young guy. But none of you answered the question. So here we go. Yeah. Um, verse five, I think is interesting. Every word of God is flawless. Mm. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. That sounds a lot like teacher on me. So there does seem to be um, a doubling down on Torah to say, well, um, maybe as a foreigner, I haven't quite acquired that sort of wisdom, but that is the sort of wisdom that you should pay attention to. I'm speculating here. Um, mm. These are some very difficult verses. Um, he does mention Yahweh in verse 9. Yes. So it's not like he's talking about a generic God. Yeah. He is talking about yes. Yahweh yeah. specifically. Yeah. Um, so... Let's just flag that. I think some of the things that we're going to have to say just now will also apply to what Edgar has to say. Okay. And will help to see us, help to see a little bit of why this sort of thing might have been integrated to. You've also got then in chapter 31, um, the sayings of King Lemuel. I was going to ask, is he also, is that also thrown in? And, you know, an inspired utterance of his mother taught to him. Yeah, probably also a foreigner. Um, hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, he doesn't, specifically mention Yahweh as far as I can see. Yeah, I'm looking here and I don't see any mention of... It seems to be fairly generic advice. You know, don't drink too much. It's not going to go well for you. Um, Let beer be for those who are perishing and wine for those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Right. There you go. Is this the... King Lemuel is the one who talks about the woman of noble character? That isn't... I'm I'm not entirely sure. Oh, I see. He could... His part could end in verse 9 and then the... The woman of noble character could start in verse 10. Yeah, so my Bible over here, um, I've got an NIV. They've actually put in a heading, epilogue, colon, the wife of noble character. Okay. So they're they're people who argue both ways. That um, we should take the the woman here in Proverbs 31 with Lemuel's mother, um, or as part of that same instruction, I mean. um, And then maybe those sections, those lines there are... Um, a preamble, mm. an introduction, an mm-hmm. exordium, like Michael Fox talks about in um, the first part of Proverbs. Um, others, you think, no, no, that is its own thing, and then the pro- the Proverbs thirty one woman is 
its own final Separate section of the book. Yeah. Okay, um, so either I'm way, we have open to be honest. Yeah. Either way, Cam Lemuel has at least nine verses of airtime. Yeah. In a in a Israelite <laughs> wisdom yes. book. Okay. Yeah. Cool. There's one more example to um, uh, to take a look at. This one is a lot more subtle, and uh, we're going to spend a little bit more time on it. I just sorry. I just have one question. Yep. When we say Eger or Auger or whatever his name is, and uh, Lemuel, when you say that, okay, they have foreign names. Do they have? Can we identify nations that their name is from? I don't know that we can do that with any certainty. Okay. They just don't fit like the Hebrew way of coming up with names. Okay, that seems not. Okay, cool. Um, I mean, I'll preface that with I don't claim to be an expert. Sure, yeah. On yeah. the linguistics of Hebrew names. <laughs> so um, I am riding on the wave of other scholars there, but but it seems like the most likely explanation is that these people are foreign. Foreign, okay, cool. Proverbs 22. Um, from verse 17, we've got um, the sayings of the wise. Mm. Um, so if we read from verse 17, pay attention and turn your ear to the sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach. For it is pleasing when you keep them in your heart and have uh, all of them ready on your lips. Um, now, those verses, you know, on their own, Nothing super remarkable about them. It's, mm-hmm. It seems to call to mind some of what we've seen in the first nine chapters, where it's just like call to pay attention to wisdom. Yeah. Um, until we look at this Egyptian text called the Instruction of Amenemope. Okay. Um, it's like anemone, like in Finding Nemo, where you got uh, the the stingray teacher being like, "Where do you live?" And Nemo's like, "Anemone." Eventually, the stingray is like, hey, don't hurt yourself, kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel like that with, I mean, them I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right, but there we go. So who's, um, uh, who's this guy? So <laughs> <laughs> I was I would try to say it and I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to, it's not going to come up right. Is so, he, is he like a pharaoh or is he just like a, a wise guy? So the instruction of Amenemope um, is a wisdom, well, whether we can use that word for Egyptian instruction text, I'm not entirely sure. Um, it's, okay. a, it's a fam- it's a famous instruction text that is teaching wisdom. Often these things did the, these sorts of texts did exist in a royal context and in a, in a temple courtier sort of context as well. Okay. Um. But but this is a very well known instruction text from Egypt. Okay. It really stood the test of time. I think it comes from like some of the earlier instructions, like very early. Okay. Um. But well into um well into Egyptian history, we can see that this text has still got traction. It's still like being well recognized. Still, yeah. Okay. It's still being called to mind. And, and anyway, so um, comparing that with what um, Proverbs 22, 17, 18 says, Amenemope um, says, give your ears, hear the sayings, give your heart to understand them. It profits to put them in your heart. Let them rest in the casket of your belly. They'll be mooring post for your tongue. So, I mean, there's that same movement there from pay attention, uh, apply your mind in Proverbs, give your heart to, un- uh, to understand in Amenemope, um, for it'll be pleasant to you in Proverbs. It profits um, it profits you in Amenemope. Um, keep them within you. Let them rest in the casket of your belly. Um, let them be ready on your lips. Um, there'll be a mooring post for your tongue. So there seems to be this, this kind of parallel relationship there, even if the words are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. 
Amenemope then goes on to give um, 30 chapters of wisdom. And in Proverbs, uh, uh, then goes on to give 30 sayings of wisdom. Oh yeah, verse 20. Have yep. I not written for you 30 sayings of counsel and knowledge? And a lot of these um, sayings seem to correspond with what Amenemope has to say. Oh. And don't oppress the poor. Um, avoid a hang uh, an angry, heated man, or a hangry and heated man. Uh, <laughs> an angry or heated man, lest he trap you. Um, don't remove a landmark. Uh, skilled courtiers, dining etiquette with rulers. Um, don't toil for wealth that flies away like a bird. Uh, don't eat bread of the stingy or the poor. Um, all these sorts of things that, that seem to match up quite nicely with, with what Amenemope has to say. All this seems to suggest quite a strong relationship between these two texts. Um, this has been noticed at least since I think it was the 1920s when they when they dug this one up and um, oh yeah yeah and they started noticing oh there are a whole lot of resemblances here with the Book of Proverbs. What do we do with that? Most most people would agree. Most scholars would agree that um, Proverbs, whoever wrote this part of Proverbs, had access to. And the instruction of Amenemope, and is influenced by it, is riffing off of it, is um, that that there is some borrowing going on here. Mm-hmm. So, so that would have been that text from and um, that guy would have uh, been older than yes. this. Yeah, because it would have been from like I don't know how the three thousand or something. Yeah, okay. I don't know how the I know they have like dynasties and then the old era and the new era and stuff, but okay. Yeah, to be honest, I don't fully understand it. I see it come up from time to time. This is going to be a whole lot. There's more than one chronology as well. And so it's like you need the high chronology and low chronology and then it gets complicated from that. Okay, cool. But okay, but we think it's... But it's old, it's authoritative and the author probably came into contact with and it's like, "Mm, let's do something here. And we know that Israel was like in... In a culture with Egypt, right? Because yes. I mean, we saw yeah. Solomon. We when we discussed Solomon, um, we saw how he like sent people to Egypt to trade for horses and all these other things. So we know that Mary they Pharaoh's daughter, Mary Pharaoh's daughter, exactly. So we know that they. It wasn't like they they were these isolated cultures. Yeah. But, but okay, that's interesting. So I mean, I guess the question is, what then do we do with that? Yeah, because on a first glance, that could be really uncomfortable. That we've just got parts of our Bible that are just borrowing from Egypt. Mm-hmm. When we take a, a closer look, I think it's less problematic than we might initially think. The first thing that I'd want to throw out there is that um, God is much bigger than um, than needing to have these specific authors write his texts, and if anybody else wrote it, then that somehow calls him into question. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of okay with this from the perspective of like events that happen, right? Like he uses Baal. Yeah. Uh, not Baal, sorry. <laughs> he uses Balaam. Yes, um, yeah. He's, he's not a prophet from thing where he uses Melchizedek, who's not in Abraham's line. Mm. And like you read that and you're like, yeah, sure. God uses people outside of Israel or Abraham's family. And like, that's just how it is, you know? So, I mean, from that perspective, uh, it's... There's something inherently problematic with him using, leveraging the wisdom from other cultures. Yeah. I guess the, the challenge is that um, 
you would want to ask like, well, what does it mean for inspiration and stuff if we're coming at it from a perspective of divine inspiration? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's, yeah, that's a worthwhile question to ask. The other one that has occurred to me is that does borrowing from another culture say something about its superiority? That if uh, we got that idea from you, then that means you thought of it first and mm-hmm. we're sort of admitting that you're cleverer than us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, yeah, on the question of inspiration, that's, I mean, I think it's, Allowed one. Um, I guess what one of the things that I've thought about to do with divine inspiration and the divine authorship of scripture is that it's a lot more complicated than I think we often tend to think. Mm. It's one thing to say that um, the letter to the Romans is inspired because it was written by the Apostle Paul. Yeah, who has a sort of weightiness and authority about him, and he was an apostle and and commissioned by God Himself um, to to do His work. It's a lot more difficult, like even leaving aside foreign foreign influence. It's a lot more difficult when it's Joe the scribe in the back room who yeah. never actually met. Yeah, um, who wrote? I mean, who wrote Judges? Yeah, right. Yeah. We're not told who wrote judges. We're not told, yeah. Um You've also spoken about Isaiah, like the later parts of Isaiah probably aren't written by Isaiah, they're written by like his disciples or something, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I reckon so. Um I mean obviously you've got some people who do think that Isaiah himself wrote the whole thing. Sure, sure. Um but but no, I th- I think that along with a lot of other people, that the later chapters of Isaiah were written later. Even Leviticus, like in its form that we have it, right? It wasn't given in that form. Mm. It's a collection of legislations that would have been in like separate documents and then they were put together at some point yeah. into the sort of theological picture that you have as part of the Pentateuch. But by yeah. whom? Yeah. yeah. We don't know. It doesn't say, right? So I think undergirding what, however we conceive of divine inspiration, I think what needs to undergird it is a strong um, theology of, or th- a strong understanding of providence. But that, God working through the natural. Okay. That, so it's, yeah. it's guided by the Holy Spirit but not necessarily everything comes by like some special declaration or something. It's like yeah. people doing novel things. I mean, that's true even in the Gospels, right? Like uh, Luke explicitly says like, well, I got this stuff because I went and interviewed a bunch of people, yes. right? Yeah, no, um, exactly. It's not like I got this tablet from heaven that told me what happened with uh, Jesus and his story. It's like, no, I just spoke to people. Yeah. And then, so then we're like, okay, cool. Like presumably the Holy Spirit superintended that process and made mm-hmm. sure that, you know, what was collected was accurate. Yeah. Okay, and so some, something similar could be true. Yeah, I mean, it's not like yeah. we have to say every foreign nation, <laughs> everything the other nations said is wrong. We don't have to say that, right? No. Like, yeah, all truth is God's truth. Yeah, if if it was a an intelligible, an intelligible, try again, an intelligible thing to say, then um, we can we can recognize that and we can appreciate that. Um, how does it work then, I guess, internally? To pro- so assuming then that the general question of inspiration is like not a problem. Mm. Fine. But how does it work like internally to problems where there is this contrast between the the tour of God and the the foreign the, the foreign view? Yeah. I, so I think two things. Um, the one is I think we need to just be careful about what, what do we mean by foreignness? Mm-hmm. Um, when we're looking in Proverbs 1 to 9, I think one of the things that we were quite careful to emphasize, and I think we need to emphasize repeatedly, is that 
Proverbs doesn't have an issue with foreignness per se, right? It was what foreignness implied or the dangers that came with intermarrying with these particular foreign women mm. for um, the um, uh, community when when um, that part of Proverbs was written. There was this worry that it would water down the identity of God's people and that by watering it down, it could place them um, and their... Um, their security in jeopardy. Yeah, I mean, it, it undermines their ability to be that um, holy zone in the world that, you know, yeah. is the light of Yahweh to the rest of the nations kind of thing. And they've just gotten back to the land. They've just arrived back and are trying to reestablish themselves and re-center um, themselves around Torah and figuring out what does it look like to be the people of God given the fact that our political situation is still somewhat precarious, mm. given that um, we've got all these issues that are going on in the community, and one of them being intermarriage with the people in the land, which would threaten to water down their identity to kind of comp potentially compromise that status as the people of God. And so there's, I think there's a reason that um, when in Proverbs 2, it says, wisdom will save you also from the foreign woman. Um, in that same chapter, in that same argument, at lands with, for the upright will, will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. That placing that in the context of the foreign wives crisis of the post-exilic period, and um, you've got these concerns that if we do this, you see this in Ezra and Nehemiah, if we do this, it could compromise our status in the land. Mm. We could find that um, we are once again regarded by God as having fractionized with the enemy, having uh, watered down um, obedience to Torah, and we found ourselves judged for it. Mm. And you see that in, there's this very impassioned plea. You know, I think it's, there are all sorts of difficult questions that come with it, but there's this very impassioned prayer that Ezra makes in Ezra 10, um, where he's saying, Lord, we've stuffed up. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the situation and... Like we are acknowledging that this is not the way that things should be. Now, like I said, there are a whole lot of difficult questions that, that come with with that. But but I think it's that same perspective of a community that's trying so hard to orient their lives around Torah and intermarriage with these foreigners is is threatening to undermine that. Mm. I don't think we I don't think it's the same thing then mm. when we talk about um, the author of Proverbs, of actually a different part of Proverbs, but still um, <laughs> reading a, a foreign text and be like, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. I want that too. Yeah. I think secondly then, um, the way in which the author does that is significant. So take a look. We, we read the, the first two verses and we glanced at a few others. Pay attention uh, Proverbs 2.17, pay attention, turn your ear to the sayings of the wise, apply your heart to what I teach, for it's pleasing when you keep them in your heart and have all of them ready on your lips so that uh, your trust may be in the Lord. Mm. And, and that Lord there is Yahweh. That is Yahweh, Yahweh. Yeah. yeah. I teach you today, even you, have I not written 30 sayings for you? And so he goes on and then goes on to teach a whole lot of things that are very consistent with what he teaches in Deuteronomy. Mm. Um, what God teaches in Deuteronomy, I mean. <laughs> um, not the author of Proverbs. Not the author of Proverbs, yeah. <laughs> um, so th there's a sense in which, yeah, okay, cool. It's it's appropriating a whole lot of the um, 
the wisdom and, and what's good about it, but not leaving it untouched. Yeah, they baptizing it into this Yahwistic framework. They don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Um, they want to take the good and leave the bad. Yeah. And replace it with the the true source of this this light, which is Yahweh. Yeah. Yeah. That that um, thing you said about the foreign foreignness um, not being like foreign per se. Mm. It, it reminds me of this thing that when when I studied Joshua. It was a, a similar thing that I was very shocked by because in Joshua you have this very strong contrast between people of Israel and the people of Canaan that are being conquered in order to fulfill the promise of the land, yeah. right? And like right at the beginning, when they just cross over, they just cross over in chapter um, five, and the first thing that happens that they do is they take Jericho, mm. okay? And then after that they fail an eye, and then they and, and in these first like conquests or these first like campaigns, you see a Canaanite woman saved and included within the people of Israel yeah. and an Israelite man destroyed because he didn't obey no. God, yeah. right? And it's just like, it's such a clear articulation. In fact, I, when I went through it, I thought it was, a, I think it's a chiasm and how they contrasted with each other. Sure. But like, it's such a clear contrast with like, it's not about being foreign mm. or about being, you know, nationally an Israelite. Yeah. It's about whether you're with Yahweh or not. Yeah. And it just turns out that like a sort of approximate way of talking about that is by talking about Israelite, if done right, and a foreign, if done wrong. Mm. But uh, yeah. it's really about um, not breaking faith with Yahweh. Mm. And that's exactly what it says. Some people in Israel broke faith in regards to the devoted things. Yeah. Yeah. So really important point to underscore. Yeah. Okay. Um, so like we said in a previous episode, not being xenophobic. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> there are um, concerns around faith and, um, and covenant that are, that are plain. Yeah. Okay. For what it's worth, I think a, a similar sort of thing does seem to be going on in Agor or Ego with, um, I mean, with the verse that I highlighted there. The fact that it, it brings it in, every word of God is flawless. Do not add to his words, calling to mind um, Deuteronomy. Um, it seems to be doing a similar thing there where, um, yeah, okay, maybe my wisdom hasn't really measured up. Maybe I'm a brute of a man. But look at this Torah. And then what he goes on to say is actually really good. Um, two things I ask of you. Don't refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give mm. me neither poverty nor riches, but only give me my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is Yahweh? Or I may become poor and steal. And so I dishonor the name of my God. Wow, that's good. Where is that? Is we, that in the sayings of Ego? Man, that's a good... To nine. I think we could do a really good job of taking that on board in the way that, as a society, we think about poverty and wealth. Yeah. Wow, that's such I a heard, good job. I heard these verses. Uh, there was um, there was a youth talk backwards when I was early high school, and like I think back to that time of my life. Like I've got like snapshot memories of sitting in. It was in teen church. Um, snapshot memories of um our youth pastor giving giving a talk every Sunday. Most of it... Yeah, in one... No impression. Yeah, in one lasting yeah, impression on me. Like, yeah. I mean, hopefully it, <laughs> hopefully it mattered to me at the time. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but honestly, I don't remember. But this one has never left. Yeah. It really stuck out. And I've come back to it again and again and thought, wow, this is... This is something we need to pay attention to. But yeah, there you go. So by far... I have um, a question. Last story. 
Uh, I see. So, is there any logic <laughs> that you can tell anyway uh, to like the fact that he comes back to the Proverbs of Solomon in chapter twenty-five? <laughs> Because, like, okay. I would have thought he would just put that with the other Proverbs of Solomon that came before. You think? You think? Um, yeah, I mean, these are the Proverbs of Solomon collected by the men of Hezekiah. Um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at the headings. I should yeah. be reading the reading the headings that they put in the Bible. Some more Proverbs of Solomon. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, so, so maybe it has to do with it. Um, but to be honest, I'm not entirely sure on what the ordering is about there. Um Maybe some of it's chronological. But to be honest, Hezekiah is quite late, right? Certainly quite yeah. later than Solomon, yeah. Yeah. Still okay. pretty, yeah, still pretty exotic. Um, but yeah, the, the, that's the best I can. I okay. I don't cool, actually cool. know, but, but yeah, I think maybe Hezekiah has something to do with it. Great. And then I guess we can end it there. What kind of closing words of wisdom, <laughs> words of wisdom do you have for us about Proverbs? We didn't talk about um, the wife of noble character. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about her. Um, and this isn't me about to launch into a whole discussion on the wife of noble character. But I think um, I think it, it would be worth maybe just ending off our section of Proverbs by... Um, yeah, ended where it ends, right? Yeah. yeah. Start at the beginning and at the ending. Yeah. <laughs> by advancing at that, we, we spoke in a previous episode about maybe this is calling woman wisdom to mind again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the certainly this um this picture of this woman has been held i remember i got a friend who was like yeah when he was single at the time he was like but you know it's gonna be a proverb 31 woman for me or no, or no. <laughs> like there's my criteria i was like cool fine i mean some good criteria there i guess but um but certainly a whole lot of the things that i said of her um are things that all of us can pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Things that all of us, the sort of virtues that that all of us can gain from. The fact that she's hardworking, that she's respected in the community, um, and that that presumably didn't come from nowhere. She's mm-hmm. she's earned respect from being um, a virtuous woman. Um, but then the way that it ends there, I think, um, really lands the plan for us on on how maybe we should think about wisdom. Um, Again, sort of ending where it's um, ending where it starts. Charm is deceptive, but beauty and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. The idea of ending with, yeah, sure, there are a whole lot of good things in this world. There are a whole lot of um, things that um, that our world is going to prize, and we're going to look to and think. Yeah, that's impressive. Also, I mean, this—I don't think this this was intended by the author, but it's, it's making me think of Solomon and how he had this really impressive kingdom yeah. where um, he followed the ancient Near Eastern royal ideal to a T. But in the end, it says all of that is fleeting. Um, but one who fears the Lord is to be praised. Ending the book where it starts with the fear of the Lord as the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. Uh, uh, that I think is what we should take from the book of Proverbs. That should be like the overarching yeah. sort of frame of reference for the entire thing. I think so, yeah. yeah. The fact that the fear of the Lord is capping the book on either side I think is crucial. 
Great. So that's the book of Proverbs. Yeah. Thanks for being our guide through this. <laughs> through this quite, it's it's a lot richer than I think I I. Uh, if you had asked me at the beginning of these episodes mm. and now, I feel like there's a lot more to it, a lot more layers, mm. a lot more like yeah. ways to engage with it, and like sort of everything being woven into each other than mm. than I thought there was originally. So that's really it's really exciting. There's a reason this is my favorite book of the Bible, um, and. I mean, having been through it now, I will say that I'm just at the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> and um, and what we've been able to cover in these however many episodes has just been a portion of that. There's so much more in this book for us to um, to explore. Um, not in this podcast. Yeah. Um, Maybe in a future season. We might circle back around to it. Yeah. But, um, but I do want to encourage our listeners, keep reading Proverbs. Keep mining its depths and um, keep seeking God in his wisdom cool well thanks for joining us on this journey through Proverbs um, in the next episode we're going to head over to Ecclesiastes mm-hmm. which is a very simple straightforward book totally so you shouldn't what, maybe an episode yeah, yeah maybe we'll, we'll cover everything yeah yeah no problem <laughs> um, if you haven't read Ecclesiastes yet go read it and you'll see why we're <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> why our um, words are dripping in sarcasm um mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, remember to on YouTube to like and subscribe. No, it's not like and subscribe. Subscribe and click the bell um, on your YouTube. Also like. Yeah. Also like. Like, like, and subscribe, subscribe. like okay. the notification bell to make sure you're updated for any future episodes. Give us a rating on your favorite podcast platform. You can subscribe there too. You can subscribe there too. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Thank you. Um, and yeah, we'll see you in the next one. <laughs>